Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. By being in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray together for Pastor Mike. Lord, we thank you for these words this morning, and we ask that as Pastor Mike comes to share them with us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work through him and in him, that he might proclaim the truth of the gospel boldly and mightily. And we ask today that you would open the ears and hearts of those gathered here today, that we might hear your words spoken to us and be transformed by them. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I wasn't afforded the opportunity earlier today to greet you all, so greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Good morning. So glad to have you here at this Memorial Day service and do want to, uh, if you're visiting among us, tell you a little bit about how we um, proceed on a memorial weekend. Uh, We commemorate folks on two weekends a year. During the Memorial Day weekend, which is this service right now, we commemorate and honor those from our congregation who have passed on to uh, join the church triumphant with God in heaven, and we remember them by sharing some of those uh, symbols we have from uh, the memorial candles, and later in this service we'll be lighting the... uh, votives that are on the altar in, in memory of them and, and, and ringing a bell and I'm dedicating the memorial gifts today. On July 2nd, we have our second celebration of memorial, which is actually the memorialization and the commemoration of our veterans uh, at Independence Sunday. So we hope on July 2nd that you'll return uh, here at the 830 service to celebrate uh, with us as we, we celebrate our independence that day. And, and one other prefatory remark before I go right into the proclamation of the gospel. As I drove down 7th Avenue this morning to the church and turned past the Carnegie Center, I looked at the marquee and it says, Methodist Church for Sale. Now I want to caution you about this. The Methodists are not for sale. 
The Methodists are those that have come to this kind of living, understanding that we've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are owned by our heavenly kingdom. Therefore, we cannot be bought by any other. You are not for sale. Amen? Amen. The church building you're sitting in, for, however, is for sale. And so if you have $1.3 million, I'll be happy to be late and even miss the 945 service if that's your opportunity today. But share with your friends. The proclamation of the gospel is as follows. Human nature is like water. We human beings are, in many ways, like water. We naturally pursue the easiest route. We naturally pursue the path of least resistance. We are able to have in our lexicon this sentence in our home when we're making a repair or something, say, well, that's good enough. That's good enough. That'll work for me. Or we even sometimes say, well, I'll do that another time. We, we by nature even in our behavior, follow the path of least resistance. So, in these seven or eight or ten weeks, this sermon series that we're doing called Christian Living in This World, it's really a call to how to live. And, it, and it's, as you've seen from this marker post throughout the sermon series, it's given us choices that are based on the Scriptures. Because how we live is always a matter of choice that you and I Make and, and the counsel that, that Pastor Keith and I are giving is to counsel to life in the way of Christ. In the here and now, to not wait for some other time to live your life out in the Christian context, but, but, but to do it now. Which is why, long before this series started, we picked this course out of a hymn in your hymnal. And that course that says, Where He leads me, I will follow. Where He leads me, I'll follow. I'll go with Him with him all the way. See, that's a choice. You know, it's an adventure if you only go part of the way. But it's a life choice if you go with him all of the way. Now, the tenor of 1 John, of 1 John, is serenity under fire. Serenity under fire. We feel sometimes like our life is under fire. I was talking uh, re recently to one of my friends who is also a boss. She's a mom and a boss. She's a boss that at work has a number of people that report to her that are under her leadership. And she's a mom that means at home she has a number of people that report to her and respond to her leadership. And she is a wife as well. So she has these things going on like so many of you do. And we were talking as I was driving from this place to, to the other. And she said, Mike, it's like this though. I'm just under fire from the moment I wake up till the moment I lay down. <clears throat> the, the kids want something. The people at work need something. Husband needs something. I'm just under fire all day long. And isn't that how often your life feels? that you're under fire from when the alarm goes off to when the eyes go closed. There's pressures and pushes all around us. And we feel, and we feel like we're, we're under fire. And we want to dump into that one episode of Seinfeld. Do you remember that episode where, where they just walk around saying, Serenity now, serenity now. Didn't get TV back then, huh? It'll play better later, won't it? Yeah. 
So let me, let me show you where we live. If you flip through the back pages of the United Methodist Hymnal, the blue ones that you sang from just a few moments ago, and you go under the category that says calmness and serenity, there's 29 entries. 29 hymns under the, uh, under the, uh, under the heading of calmness and serenity, which is to say that, that, that you, me, and everyone else that ever lived is seeking calmness. We're seeking serenity in the midst of our life because the fire upon us, or that which is firing upon us, is real. 1 John, in our sermon series, that really talks about serenity under fire, says this, that that confidence, not uncertainty, but, but confidence, not uncertainty, is the DNA of the Christian. You can know as a believer that you have eternal life. You can know as a believer. So many people that, that worship here and in other churches, so many people that pray here and in other churches, so many people that, that go to Bible studies will come to <coughs> Keith or Vicki I and, and wonder, They wonder about eternal life. They wonder, will I receive my eternal life? I've been going to church all my life. I've been studying the Bible. Will I receive eternal life? Am I good enough? Am I good enough to receive eternal life? Well, when I grew up, I know that sometimes at youth camps, they would put this in front of you that as as you get to the end of the night, and sometimes you see this on a billboard or on TV, it says, if you were to die tonight... You know what comes next, right? If you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you'll go to heaven? If you'll die tonight, do you know for certain? And I'm here to tell you that people that wonder whether they have eternal life, that Christians that wonder if they're good enough, I'm here to tell you that that is a needless worry. The the, the truth is that if you've given your life to Christ, now this applies if you've given your life to Christ fully and commit completely, if you've given your life to, con- to, to Christ, you can know with confidence, with absolute certainty, to say, yes, you receive your eternal life, and as a matter of fact, you have it right now. You're in your eternal life right now. Because the God who gives us life will never desert us. You know, we worry as people I was talking to one of our parents, one of our parents of younger children, earlier this week. And they were talking, as a matter of fact, she said, I might be the worst mom in the church. I said, I'm not sure, let's hear the story. <laughs> she says, well, we're at the park. And I said to the kids, let's get in the car. Now, some of you that raised children, did you have a pokey one? Do you have a pokey one? Okay, let's go. Well, she has a pokey one, you see. And, and she said, let's get in the car. And they got in the car, and, they, and, and the pokey one was still working her way towards the car. And so the mom said, I know I'm the worst mom. I said, that's it. Close the door. She says, we're going to leave her here. And she put the car in, in gear and started to back out. And, of course, the sister said, oh, don't leave my little sister. And the pokey one started to cry and run into the car. But she's three. And mom stopped the car, and they put Pokey in the car. <laughs> but she was afraid. Now, 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 compare that 
to a 13-year-old. Because the 13-year-old is a, is a four-year-old that was pokey that became 13, right? You say to the 13-year-old that's pokey, I'm going to leave without you. You put the car in gear and start backing up. And they're like, because you know why? They know. They know that they're the offspring of the driver, and the offspring ain't never going to leave them nowhere. Because they're important to the driver. They're, they're, the offspring is of paramount importance to that one that is behind the wheel. And I want to tell you so much in greater measure for God. God, our heavenly parent, will never leave us. He will never even trick us by putting the, the, the progress of his spirit in gear and saying, I'm going to leave you. He doesn't threaten that. He doesn't ask that. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to desert you for any reason. In Psalm 94, it says these words. The Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. You are the possession of the almighty king. He's not going to leave you anywhere. You're his. We're his. He's ours. Therefore, confidence, not uncertainty, is the mark of the believer. And I want to share four or five things about this, that confidence, uh, not uncertainty, is the believer. Christian believers can have confidence because God's life and eternal nature is right now. It's right now. You see, God does not receive life from any external source. Unlike us. You, you all in here received your life from somewhere else. We, relieved our, we received our spiritual life from God, but we received our physical life from a mother and a father. We we're biological creatures. All of creation is like that. Everyone that ever lived is like that. They receive their life from someone else. Even the animal and plant community have that truth. A plant doesn't grow without a seed. It doesn't grow to fruition, some of them, without some help from pollination and all that. But he, that is the Lord, has, that has life in himself and is the source of his very own life, needs no help. No creative being, no created being, shares that characteristic with us. And so, and this is what he tells us, he offers that life to us. He offers his life, that, that uncreated, always present, first mover, eternal life to us. So that those of us who receive new life through faith in Jesus Christ are then in the eternal life with Christ, which is now. We are in no need to wait. See, so often I, I, I listen and, 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 and speak with, with folks that talk about eternal life. And they act like the eternal life is some goal out there, like you're at TSA in the Denver airport, and you've got to go through this line, and then a few people move up in the queue, and then you go back, like you're going through those black things, you know, like the, there's no waiting for your eternal life. Do you understand that? There is no need to wait for your eternal life. It is going on right now, if you receive it. And eternal life is where our church and every church and the church, the church of Jesus, really is. Because life and truth that we know is nothing other. The life and truth that we know is nothing other than what the real and living God is. The second reason that Christian believers can have confidence is that God hears and responds to our prayers. God hears and responds. To our... Prayer is not a hope. <coughs> Every year I teach a session with my 7th grade confirmation students on, on prayer. And we end up in the prayer room and we talk about how God can heal our burdens. 
And every year I get the opportunity to make one teaching because one of the students in their prayers, which are genuine and authentic, I understand that, but I'm a teacher, they say, well, God, I hope you'll do this. And I said, wait a second. We have confidence and assurance in our prayers. We don't hope that God does anything. Prayer is not a hope. Prayer is not some form of holy abracadabra. Prayer is not some sort of holy incantation when we're, supposed, when we're trying to manipulate God in some way that's personal to us. Prayer is a certainty. It's a confidence. Prayer is, is the force that, that, that restores life in us, that grants serenity in the midst of, the fire, of a life that's under fire by a merciful, mercifully responsive God. That's why in Psalm 34, verse 15, The psalmist writes this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are always attentive to their cry. Hear that again. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are always attentive to his cry. God always listens to us, even though we don't always listen to each other. Amen? Oh, that wasn't firm enough, because I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I meant some of you weren't listening to me right now. Because I, I don't know how what tone it came in you or what tone it comes into you from time to time. But every single one in this church, doesn't matter if you're three or, or, or 83, has had the question asked of them, are you listening to me? There you go. But you've had that happen in your own home, haven't you? Happened to me just yesterday. The problem for me is, though, oftentimes I don't hear what preceded. I just hear the listening to me. I'm like, oh, dang, again? <laughs> Didn't want to watch the Cowboys anyway. Just kidding. See, God has granted us complete freedom of speech. And he promises that he's always, that he's always, without fail, listening. He's always more ready to hear than we are to pray. He's always listening. We have complete freedom of speech with him. We don't have to try to get his attention. I was at Target not too long ago, and I, I watched this young dad, and he had a, his son with him. The, the child was old enough to see. He was in school and all that. He's old enough to see all that Target had to offer him that he might want, right? From candy bars to electronics to everything. And as dad was with his boy, he was talking on the phone. And as he was talking on the phone, the little boy said, Dad, Dad, he kept talking, Dad. And then he grabbed his leg and his arm and he says, Dad, Dad, Dad. See, sometimes we have to wrestle for people's ears. We don't ever have to beg our Heavenly Father to listen to us. We never have to compel Him to listen to us. We never have to grab hold of His sleeve to to listen to us. We don't need to force our way into His his presence for Him to listen to us. He's paying attention to you all the time. So so repeating where I started, prayer is a force that that restores life. It grants us serenity in the midst of, of a life that's under fire from a mercifully responsive God. That also explains. Now here's the hard part. Listen to this carefully. Because here's the hard part. If God is granting us fire, mercy and serenity in in a, a life that's filled with fire, here's the hard part. We are explained here in the scripture 
why we do not always get everything we pray for. Have you? Because if you have, you're the only one. We do not always get what we always pray for because the prayer that is performed in faith is answered in accordance with his will. Most every Sunday in this church, we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be come. We never insert our name there. We always say, Thy will be done. We're giving complete control to our pra- of our prayers to God. We're giving complete control to our aspirations, our living, and, and what might happen to us and those that we love. We say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, how we wish it was our will. Oh, oh how we wish that that, that, that that student that's not performing the way we want to would perform the way we want to. How we wish that person that's ill with something that they can't beat off would get well the way we want them to. How we wish that boss at work would act the way we would want them. How we wish that that spouse that is causing difficulty to us would just conform to our will. But that's not what the will is. That's not where prayer works. The prayer that's prayed by the righteous, the pray that, prayer that's prayed by the Christian says... Thy will. So it doesn't always work out the way our humanity wants it to. But when it says you get everything you ask for, you get everything you ask for when your spirit is in in accordance with God's will and you say, God, what I want in the world, what I want out of my life, what I want out of these prayers is for you to answer them in the way that's best for your plan in the world then we get all of our prayers answered the way we want. Third, the third reason that Christian believers can have confidence is that when doubt is gnawing on you, let God's truth be your assurance. This that Keith read just a moment ago, the epilogue of, of 1 John, reminds Christians to have no more doubts about their eternal life, but to know they have it, to have complete confidence But there is this thing that bothers you and me so much. There's this sentence that we say all the time. That when we talk about our spiritual lives in the world out there around us, it really is annoying. We say, well, this is happening now and this will happen later. But for the time being, don't you hate for the time being? Because we live out our lives in the time being. And so for the time being, this is a biblical promise. For the time being, evil and chaos and Satan has its day opposition is allowed in full measure in the in in the christian world in the world in which we live and anyone in seeking to embody christian living in this life is going to be in the midst of the fire you know we get pushed back on in north america all the time for our faith but we have no thing over christians that live other places have you been keeping up on our brothers and sisters in the faith in, in Egypt? Do you know how very close we are to them? These are our brothers. These are those who have preceded us now into to, to the eternal kingdom. These are those that love the very same Lord we love and have perished for the simple fact that they love the Lord. I mean, I don't know how much you know about the Apostle John, but, you know, Apostle John is on this island of Patmos. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos because of a very simple truth that was happening in the early world, and I believe it's happening right now. In the early Christian world, as the disciples were killed one after another, every time they martyred a disciple, more Christians sprung up. Every time they killed somebody for witnessing to Christ, more Christians sprung up. 
So, so I think the emperor got to a certain point and said, let's take John, throw him out on an island because if he stays in here, if we kill him in here, there's going to be more of them and that's what we're trying to stop. So my prayer is, in the midst, in the meantime, while we're living in the meantime, that we can lay on God's truth that those men and women in, in, in Egypt, those children that were just on a bus going to worship, did not die in vain, but the, but the witness might be propagated further beyond them because God's truth is enough for us to have confidence to lean on. Praise the Lord because he protects the innocents. Fourth, not means not is an invitation to action. In 1 John 5, it says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Do you, do you understand the depth and the richness of that? Whoever has the Son has life. That's, that's those of us that affiliate with Christ, those of us that have given our whole life to Christ, even if you're not listening to me right now. But whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The Apostle is prompting you and me to act on what we know to act on what we've read in the previous five chapters of the book. We've received new life, and, and, and we enjoy fellowship with the Lord right now. And those who have not, will not, unless, unless we bring them to the Christ we know. Th those that we're going to memorialize in just a few moments' time that are, that are commemorated here or here or here for some of you, th those that we memorialize, Praise the Lord, some of them are the ones that brought you. Praise the Lord, some of them are the ones that brought you to know Christ and into his kingdom. And praise the Lord, some of you are the ones that brought them so that they don't have a final resting place. They have a final living place, and there is a difference. We're given a task. And these saints and those we commemorate here, those saints were part of the great line of Christians that told those who had not Christ about that they could have Christ. That those who had not life can have life eternal. When you don't have it, it means you don't have it. But when you've given it and received it, you can have complete confidence in the certainty. And last, Putting our relationship with God as our highest priority means our life will be well spent. No one wants to know or hear that they've wasted their lives. Some of those that we memorialize later today, some, some of those that, that we love so dearly, whether they have a candle burning here or it's just burning our hearts, did exactly that. They, they, they did not waste their life. They put God as first priority in their life and they spent their lives so very well. Not to say they weren't human like us and sinful and mistake riddled but they pursued it and some of them encouraged us to do the same there's this interesting last word in it, it in in john's writing here and it really points us to that it's this weird sentence after all this coaxing us what and coaching us what to do the last sentence in in, in john in, in one john five is keep yourself from idols you think, how does that fit in here? Well, it seems like a, a weird insertion, but it's a call and it's a reminder to keep yourself from anything 
from, from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Anytime we have a hymn singing here, anytime we get to sing the favorite hymn of the pastor, which you'll all look to sometime now, I always call out number four, 400, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing, which sounds wonderfully, but my favorite part of that hymn, and if you knew me before I finally gave my life to Christ, you would understand why I love verse 2 so much. It says, Prone to Wander. Lord, I feel it. I feel that pull all the time to, 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 to leave you, to not spend my life for you. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That is when uncertainty messes with me. That's when Mike tries to take highest priority in my own life and I try to nudge the Lord out of the center focus. You see, our nature... <laughs> It's like water. We want the easy way, we want our only way. But you see, our ability is God's highest heavens. Our nature is lowest and earthly, but our God-breathed ability is the highest heaven. So reach for that. Prioritize all other things below your main thing. Your life with God. And you can have confidence. You have confidence as the center portion of your life. I pronounce that to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May God bless you all. Amen. Our service of remembrance turns our attention towards those who have been added to the glorious church triumphant that worships alongside us this and every day. I'm going to call you to that uh, service that's printed on a uh, parchment sheet in your um, bulletin. If you'd pull that out, you'd see that our first moment as we go to that service now calls us to sing. Verses 1, 2, and 6 are for all, from, for all the saints. Would you please rise and join the company of heaven in singing this?
the liturgy of our church says, the memory of the saints is forever blessed. And I pray that upon you and all now. This morning, as has been our tradition for several years, we invited you and others to to bring candles to memorialize those that you know and love, and I'm sure there are many others of these that did not arrive here this morning. But as they flicker in the uh, morning here in our sanctuary, I ask that you remember the great gifts of God given to you by those that we commemorate here. Let the memory of the saints be forever blessed. At our memorial service, we read the additions to the company of heaven each year, which is followed by a chime of a bell and the lighting of an votive candle here on our altar. As I read those names, I ask that you remember those and bless God for their uh, service in your life and for their faith. Those that have passed from our presence to the sight of God in this year, Val Blazik, Eleanor Bowen, Carol Christensen, Marjorie Davis. Joellen Dickin. Charlie Cress. Barbara Marcus. Marjorie Martin. Lauren McAllister. Luella Meyer. Brett Murdoch. Virginia Oakley. Don Pearson. Joy Sparenberg. Richard Spearman. Fern Struken. Nathan Tweet. Nancy Vargason. Joan Wasmer, Annette Zink, let the memory of the saints be forever blessed. Each year we are grateful as a church to receive memorial donations that will advance the work of this church in many ways by providing for things that are outside the bounds of our annual budget. This year, we acknowledge 
memorial donations received in the name of Carol Christensen, Charlie Kress, Barbara Marcus, Marjorie Martin, Virginia Oakley, Don Pearson, Nathan Tweet, Joan Wasmer. Each year, we celebrate the dedication of our memorials. The memorials that we receive, of course, come to the church. And as we receive those memorials, this, this means actually we're receiving those things that I just let, read and dedicating those gifts that have actually been expended. So I'm going to call upon representatives from our memorial uh, committee and our board of trustees uh, to shepherd us through this. Good morning. We present these gifts to be consecrated to the glory of Almighty God and for the service in this church in loving memory of Marge Martin with gifts both to Powerhouse and the Capital Campaign. Good morning. I'm here to represent the Board of Trustees. We accept these gifts as a sacred trust and will guard and use them reverently in the memory of these beloved friends and members of our church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we consecrate these memorial gifts to the glory of God in memory of those that have been named here. The memory of the righteous is forever blessed. Let us pray, and would you pray this prayer aloud with me? Most loving God, without you, no words or works of ours have meaning. Accept the gifts of our hands as symbols of our devotion. Grant us your blessing as we have consecrated these gifts to your glory, that they may be an enduring witness before all your people and that our lives may be consecrated in your service through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The memory of the righteous indeed is forever blessed. And as we celebrate our offering today, uh, please remember uh, that all of those that have preceded us in the faith have granted gifts upon this congregation, this community of faith. Uh, it is our opportunity and responsibility to do that to the next.